This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, this is Sharmila Ganesan, Lee Chuilin and Sharad Kutin. Tonight, the fall of the ringgit, or as Sharad wanted us to say, the shrinking of the Malaysian dream. <laughs> okay, but first we hear from Morning Run's Wong Xiaoning, and then we want to hear from you. So tell us, is the falling ringgit affecting you directly? Have your plans changed because of it? Have your dreams shrunk? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Tweet us at BFM Radio and send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U mobile number 018-789-8899. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08. So let's start with the obvious, which is that... One USD currently is 4.6 ringgit. Not very far from what was uh, actually the lowest it has ever been, which is 4.75 last year. Um, So, all of which to say, not a very good place to be currently. No, and... As you rightly point out, there has been a period anyway of sustained depreciation um, basically since 2022. But, you know, for a long time now, it has felt like our currency in general hasn't felt the strongest. It's felt a little bit fragile. You feel it in a number of ways, whether it's in terms of how much things cost, whether it's when you actually try to travel abroad and go, oh, I see, you know, what I can afford when I'm there has has changed quite a bit. Now, as for why this is happening right now, according to BNM, uh, this is amid the US Federal Reserve raising its policy interest rate aggressively by uh, 425 basis points to address inflation, um, which has, I mean... Our colleagues on the morning run have spoken about this quite a bit. Um, Our focus today is really going to be on how this has affected us. Yeah, you know, if you've lived long enough, you remember the Asian financial crisis, you know, you remember the the ringgit was at two point something, two point five six or something. I'm looking up the internet now for these numbers, but when the Asian financial crisis hits, it suddenly shoots up to four point something. I remember thinking, "Oh my God, what is the price of a Mars bar going to be?" And I was trying to hoard Mars bars at that point, <laughs> uh, and I was really worried because I thought, "Oh, the little money that I have is going to be even more worthless." But now, when you think about it, we've all become so used to the ringgit hovering around the four-point yeah, uh, level yeah. that we're talking about, we're quibbling over these uh, these small percentage drops because it, it feels like a downward trend. But when you think about it, if you go back 20 years or more, the, the depreciation is quite significant. So for what it's worth, last week, Bank Nagara said that this recent depreciation of the ringgit against the US dollar isn't just happening to us um, and that the currency should improve as global uncertainties settle. But uh, we did also have a clip from Economy Minister Rafizi Ramli, who said that there were many contributing factors that led to the depreciation of the ringgit, mainly affected by the uncertainty in the US that began earlier this year. Uh, sejak enam bulan yang lepas, um, um, dari segi penetapan dasar kewangan dan ekonomi di Amerika Syarikat, mereka melalui satu krisis ke satu krisis yang baru. Dia bermula dengan awal tahun yang mana um, 
Federal Reserve atau Bank Negara mereka uh, uh, mencari jalan dan belum memberi isyarat yang nyata sama ada mereka akan meneruskan dasar untuk menaikkan kadar faedah. Itu that was in in early January and February kan. Jadi itu menimbulkan ketidaktentuan. Kemudian saya ingat sekitar Februari um, ada kebimbangan mengenai kemampanan uh, sektor perbankan di Amerika dan di Eropah. Dia bermula dengan syarikat um, bank, eh, Silicon Valley Bank yang bermasalah. Kemudian dia berjangkit kepada Credit Suisse. Jadi untuk dua bulan itu, Februari, March, Juli, April, there were concern on the um, um, robustness of the of the banking sector in US and uh, Europe at large. Kemudian untuk bulan uh, Mei ini pula, dia berlanjutan pula kerana uh, politik di Amerika Syarikat tidak ada persetujuan di antara Presiden dengan Kongres mengenai hard ceiling. Bila hard ceiling hutang, uh, hard ceiling hutang uh, kerajaan Amerika Syarikat tidak boleh dipersetujui, belanjawan Amerika Syarikat tidak boleh dipersetujui. Bila tidak boleh dipersetujui, ada risiko kerajaan Amerika Syarikat tidak boleh membayar hutang. Jadi itu menyambung lagi ketidaktentuan itu. So that was Economy Minister Rafizi Ramni. And just to sum it up, uh, he cited two major crises that the US has had to weather, including uh, Silicon Valley Bank's collapse in March and then the ongoing deadlock in Congress between opposing US lawmakers to lift the 31.4 trillion US dollar debt ceiling, as well as new federal spending cuts. So I just wanted to um, close off at least this part of things by pointing out that we've been talking about the US dollar so far, but really this this drop of our currency impacts us in other ways, right? Because it also puts us on the back foot with other countries um, and countries that we might more directly perhaps travel to or, or buy things from. Uh, for instance, we are currently at three ringgit and forty cents, uh, forty uh, three ringgit and forty cent versus uh, the Sing dollar. We are at uh, one ringgit is 7.7 7.5 thai baht um, one ringgit is 3241 indonesian rupiah one aud is three ringgit um, so not looking very good in terms of whether you plan to travel whether you have children studying abroad um, whether you might have investments and all of which to say um, we are going to pick up the conversation after this with Wong Xiaoning, who is, of course, our presenter from The Morning Run. But we want to hear from you directly as well. Is the falling ringgit affecting you? Have your plans changed because of it? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Be financially minded. BFM 89.9. It is 6.15. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. And we're talking about the falling ringgit, uh, specifically against the US dollar, but in a larger sense, what this means for our currency. And we're asking you, is the falling ringgit affecting you directly? Have your plans changed because of it? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So earlier on today, we did speak with our very own Wang Xiaoning from the Morning Run, um, and she shared her. Um, you know her views with us. So we first asked her for an overview of why we're seeing the ringgit go through this period of depreciation against the US dollar. 
Okay, so if we look at the year-to-date performance of the ringgit, it's roughly down by about 4.5% against the US dollar. And there are just really uh, more external reasons for that. One of which I think is the debt ceiling issue that is facing um, the United States. That has put a lot of uncertainty um, into markets. And usually when there's uncertainty, ironically, there's a flight to quality and safety and the US dollar is seen as that kind of asset. So there's more inflow into the US dollar. The second thing, of course, is the action of the Federal Reserve. So far, they've been very hawkish. They've raised interest rates multiple times last year and even this year, so much so that there's expectations that they will continue to do so because inflation is a problem in the US. So as long as the US continues to raise rates, you typically would see weakness across the board against other currencies. But I think we also need to highlight it's it's sometimes currency is hard to understand in that there's always a confidence factor, which is probably makes it harder to really pinpoint why the ringgit is weaker against the US dollar when that's not the case necessarily as we see uh, the Thai baht, the Indonesian rupiah are doing much better. So those are some of the reasons. We also went on to ask Shaoning which are the sectors most likely to be negatively impacted by this and how severe it could get. Oh, I'm not a I'm not a currency expert, so I, it's I wouldn't dare to venture in terms of how weak the ringgit can actually go. Uh, although most of what I read is uh, most of the economists expect the ringgit to eventually recover because the economic fundamentals of the country remain strong. But in terms of sectors that are most negatively impacted are those that have large foreign import content in their products or services because they are paying much more for their goods and or services. Um, But at the same time, there are also sectors that do benefit, right? All our exporters, uh, for the same product, they're earning much more when they bring that, you know, their their proceeds back in the country, especially if they receive their proceeds in US dollar, then definitely they they would benefit. So uh, it's hard to really say, oh, this sector, in terms of the winners, typically would be anything export oriented, the losers perhaps could be, let's say, the auto players in our country who import certain part, uh, auto part components in US dollars, they might be negatively impacted. Now, on the perception that exporters benefit from a weaker ringgit, Shaoning had this to say. Yes, exporters, like I said, will definitely benefit from the weaker ringgit. That's, that's undeniable. But I also want to highlight something in terms of our conversations on the morning run. Uh, with some of our commentators, and I think this is a valid point. Malaysia is an exporting nation, but we should not use a weak ringgit to be competitive because if anything, currency is the one thing that is notoriously hard to control. Um, And as such, what our exporters should really be focusing on is being as cost efficient and, and competitive on their own without relying on currency. Um, in the longer term, that will benefit them. So for me, yes, it's great for the moment, but it shouldn't stop ex- exporters or manufacturers from really focusing on looking at their processes to be the best in their class. We then asked her how the ringgit depreciation is affecting those on the ground and who is most likely to be affected by this. I think all of us will actually be impacted by the ringgit depreciation because invariably so much of what we consume you know, even if the product is made in Malaysia. So, for example, even if, let's say, you consume something like, 
like milk, but the cows are Malaysian, Malaysian cows. The reality is the, the, the feed mill, you know, whether it goes to the cows or let's say the chicken, it's a global commodity price. So those products are usually priced in US dollar. Even fertilizer is priced in US dollar. Um, so what has happened is that input costs into most of what we consume has risen in the last six months. And of course, not helped by inflation. So we've had a double whammy impact. And I think Malaysians, of course, when you go to the supermarket, you would have noticed that your 50 ringgit goes doesn't go very far. And it seems to go even, you know, uh, mix. Uh, it doesn't seem to really even fill your shopping basket. And the shopping basket gets smaller and smaller with each month. So I think it affects all of us. But of course, if you if you are a buyer of more imported, solely imported products, definitely you would have seen many of the prices of, of your goods going up. So let's say, for, for example, imported cheeses, imported dairy products, imported meat, uh, prices of, of all those would have risen quite significantly in the last six months. And last year, of course, due to inflation. So... Last year, during the peak of the ringgit's depreciation, economist Dr. Jeffrey Williams said that most Malaysians are unlikely to feel the impact because we spend mostly on local products. So considering what uh, Xiaoning just said, we asked her if she agrees with him. For me, I don't agree because I think there's always some input cost that has a, that has a global content. And once you have a global content in that input cost, you would be subject to currency fluctuation. So like I used the example of chicken. Chicken is it's a control item. So yes, for sure, if you buy the control price chicken, no issue. But let's say you buy chicken pieces, which are not control prices, you would have noticed it's actually gone up. And that's because feed mill for chicken has actually also gone up. Like I say, it's, it's a commodity, commodity price-based item. So I don't think any of us are, you know, can say, oh, we're not impacted. You can probably make some better decisions at the supermarket and be more careful in the selection because one product may have less imported input costs versus another product. But invariably, there will be some uh, US dollar component in most items in one way or another. Also, a lot of our digital and streaming services are charged in US dollars. So we asked Xiaoning whether she anticipates Malaysians scaling back on these types of services. Yeah, I suppose if you want to tighten your belt, you will look at what is essentials, right? But it boils down to what is your perception in terms of what is essential. So perhaps the, the change in consumer behavior might not be you will cut down on Spotify or Netflix, but you might cut down on all the others that you don't use so much. So let's say in your household, you have Disney+, Plus, you have Apple TV, you have Netflix, all charged in US dollars. You might say, okay, because it's, you know, it's risen in price, I will only have one subscription. So it goes boils down to how much do you think, how important are these services to you as a consumer? So I think it's the same when we go to the supermarket, right? If we have less money to spend, then we really focus on the essentials, less on the luxuries. Um, and then we drill down and say, okay, what is the value to us as, you know, as a household? What's it critical? And I think invariably, all of us will have to make these choices because Belt tightening, unfortunately, is here to stay. Plus, wages have been relatively stagnant in Malaysia for the last few years. 
So on the economy minister saying that the fall of the ringgit is beyond the government's control, we spoke to Shaoning about what steps the government can take to cushion the impact of this on daily life as well as plans such as travel, uh, planning for savings or investments. Okay, I think on some level it is true. But like I say, currency is related to confidence. And whether, you know, as an investor, you look at Malaysia and you think, this is the place I want to, to park my FDI. I want to start a factory. I'm going to invest one, two, three billion. And with that, right, you will see inflow into the country. So for me, the minister, in terms of the, it has to have a more medium to long-term focus, whereby it has to have policies which people think, okay, Malaysia Inc. has a great future. All right, this is the place to invest. I can see my factory doing well. There's an ease of doing business in the country. It has clear and well-communicated economic policies which are friendly to foreign investors. And that's also repeated in capital markets. The, the companies that are listed on Bursa Malaysia are exciting. So you'll see more foreign investors because we've actually, we're always near our, near, very close to our all-time low in terms of foreign shareholding. So it's, it's making Malaysia a a much more attractive destination in terms of investments. I think that's what the government should really be focusing on. Otherwise, the day-to-day inflow and outflow of, you know, like the weakening of the ringgit, Bank Negara does keep an eye on it. And they have recently come out with a statement to say that the economic fundamentals remain strong, which is a fact, um, and that the ringgit should improve in time when there is less volatility in terms of the external environment, and that external environment goes back very much to to the US. But the recent ringgit weakness is also somewhat related to China because China is our major trading partner. And earlier in the year, there was a lot of expectation that the reopening of China would be great for us, and it has been. But so far, the data points coming out from China are somewhat mixed. And ironically, the correlation of the ringgit to the yuan has been stronger than the correlation between the US dollar in the last few years. And the yuan versus the US dollar has slipped past the critical 7 to US dollar mark. And some analysts even expect it to weaken to 7.2. So at the same time, we have been hit by that. And lastly, we asked her when we can expect the ringgit to bounce back and what are some indicators to look out for? I think it would be very much dependent on whether the Fed is going to pause rate hikes and in fact cut rates this year. There is some expectation of that. When that happens, you should see the ringgit strengthen. The resolution to the debt ceiling, which I think there were some announcements made this morning, uh, looks like it's on cost. That should also be benefiting our ringgit in the longer term. For me personally, I would like to see more market-friendly policies coming out from the government and uh, you know, some interest in capital markets. Probably that might also help the ringgit at this moment. That was Wang Xiaoning from The Morning Run uh, speaking to us earlier today about the depreciating ringgit. Um, And uh, we'd like to hear from you on this as well. Is the falling ringgit affecting you directly? Have your plans changed because of it? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back after this for your messages. So keep it here on Inside Story, BFM eighty nine point nine. Be free minded, BFM eighty nine point nine. It is 6.38. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. We are talking about the falling ringgit. Um, 
if you missed the earlier part of our show. Currently, the ringgit stands at four points, four ringgit and 60 cent against the US dollar. So we have been basically talking about how this will impact us on a day-to-day level and asking you, is the falling ringgit affecting you directly? Have your plans changed because of it? You can call 7732900, tweet us at BFM Radio, uh, send us a voice note or WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. Actually, I'd like to add on a question um, because what are we asking? Has this affected you? And have you changed your have plans? You changed your plans? But actually, I'm also curious to know whether in general, are you somebody who watches the value of the ringgit? Like, like, is this something that you pay attention to on a daily basis, whether it's because you run a business or because it's something that you, you need to, or whether it's just because it's something you think about as a parent who might be planning for your kids to study abroad or because you travel often? I just like to know, because I think... Um, I imagine that there's a significant number of people also who don't actually think about it that much and just watch prices fluctuate of goods, for example, without necessarily thinking about currency. So send your thoughts through. Uh, once again, that number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. 332 Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Let's start with a voice note. Hi, I'm Charles Don here. I'm not really a professional in uh, ringgits up and down, but uh, as I remember from our uh, last uh, financial uh, problem, I do remember that we started uh, getting this campaign of buying things, uh, buying local, believe around what in Malaysia. So, uh, and uh, encourage us to spend more in our own country so the the value of our ringgit will be more strengthened. I don't, I don't know that this is actually uh, something that uh, really need to be looked again. Some financial expert can help on this uh, because I'm, I was uh, looking back right now, uh, looking back at this situation, I start to like buying things local, you know, start to spend more on our local production, spending spending more in the country means that I just uh, limit my vacation to my our own country. So I hope it's helped, but uh, I, I, I don't know, it's just maybe uh, get an advice from someone that more expert on it. Thank you. Shazwan, thank you for that. Um, an interesting one there, right? Um, perhaps an option to start looking at how we can support local businesses. Now, you you know, you're very right because we've been through several cycles, Shazwan, on, on this and talking about uh, Chuti Chuti Malaysia was, you know, very big as a campaign, um, you know, the question is today: Are people, you know, leveraging or people in the players, uh, t- local tourism industry, are they leveraging on this fact that the ringgit is now and, and foreign travel is costly? So um, this was something that we were talking about a little bit earlier. Um, that sometimes, so I think the whole the whole barang bali barang buatan Malaysia um, or chuti chuti Malaysia in general it's a way to try and encourage us to spend money locally it is especially salient right um, in in times like this I was thinking about it though because I so I grew up um, 
able to travel from a young age, which is a very privileged thing. Um, and I was able to do that not because I come from a wealthy family, but because my mother worked in travel, um, which meant that when she went on work trips, sometimes we could get to go along. So um, because of that, I, I'm quite a big believer in the the value of travel and the exposure you can get from there. I, I know that this... Um, for many people, and, and for me right now also actually travel is such a luxury. But I, because I think about it in those terms, when I hear about things like the, the falling ringgit, when I look at how what it means in terms of purchasing effort, <laughs> paying for a hotel, thinking about what you can do while you're there, whether you can afford to do the kind of maybe cultural activities that you want to do while you're traveling, all that kind of stuff. I, I can't help but feel sometimes like my world shrunk a little mm. bit. And, and I know, again, I recognize that that's a privileged position to be able to take. But it's something I think about. Because every single expense adds up, right? And it kind of niggles at you, the every extra dollar, which is in fact five ringgit in your currency. Because it's also not a valuation of the effort you put in to mm. earn the ringgit that then becomes a smaller dollar. So, you know, it's, it's all these different things. I do think, though, you know, um, I agree with you because I think the middle class dream, at least for us in the middle class, has been a kind of cosmopolitan dream. We can access the world and uh, go there directly, uh, experience it for ourselves, buy the things from around the world. You know, we, we go on book depository or whatever it is. Our world is shrinking because the ringgit is becoming weaker. It is, it's unfortunate. The question is whether we're going to accept it, we think this is temporary, or reimagine our lives. And, you know, on, on that point about the, a shrinking world, right, doesn't that also, depending on how confident you feel about the economy, how confident you feel about our currency, then change how you might think about your child's world? Um, because whether or not you... So, of course, of course, you can get a very good higher education in Malaysia. I'm not saying you can't. But again, we are talking about life experience, exposure, about being able to be in a different country, for instance. And for many people, that is something they hope for for their children, right? To at least be able to experience that kind of independence um, or, or whatever it might be. And there is a possibility that you just have to recalibrate. And that's also a shrinking. Well, Jaslyn is saying, imagine parents who have been saving money in RM diligently for their children's ed tertiary education overseas, but now they convert it to USD miserably. Uh, as a financial planner, I strongly advocate parents of young children to start diversifying a portion of savings into USD through an international savings plan. This is very interesting because I think one of the fears, you know, when I think about other countries that I've gone to, uh, I take Turkey for an, as an example. When I visited, I've only visited once about five years ago, Maringit and the Turkish lira were on par. In fact, the lira was slightly um, stronger than the... Today, it's 4.5, meaning one ringgit buys you 4.5 Turkish lira. I thought about going there because my first impulse was, great, everything will be cheap. But I was thinking, how miserable must people in Istanbul be? Because they have seen their saving and so on and so forth, their assets shrink as a consequence of this. And I was like, well, maybe that's not fair. I don't, maybe I shouldn't be going there to exploit their misery. But that said, you're going there to contribute to their economy. True. That's that's the other side. I mean, that would, uh, you know, um, put a salve on my feelings of guilt. So is that how we feel when Singaporeans come here no. to buy detergent? So I, I, as, the I say that, as I say that, I realize <laughs> that um, it's a bitter pill to swallow. That, that uh -huh. thing you said, Sharad, that you look at your life savings and you realize they're worth 
half, quarter, a third of what you thought they were. It's very difficult. You know, the other thing, and I'll come back to Shazwan because he makes a whole point about, you know, recalibrating our consumer, uh, uh, you know, habits. The problem with, and Shaoning brought it up uh, earlier, a lot of our local products uh, in fact, have foreign export inputs. So that's going to be a, a complication, right? Malaysia's um, industry and economy is so integrated that it's going to have maybe an indirect, maybe lesser impact, but it's still going to have an impact. We went through this whole debacle with the chicken because of the feed, right? Feed is imported. So unless we get into making our own local feed, we're going to feel the impact even with local products. Keep sending your thoughts through. We are asking you, is the falling ringgit affecting you directly? Have your plans changed because of it? Is this something you pay attention to, our currency? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Being first matters. BFM 89.9. It's 6.47. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn and Sherrod. We're talking about the falling ringgit and asking you whether it's affecting you directly. Have your plans changed because of it? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, let's start with a voice note from Bing. Yeah, definitely feeling the pinch of the weaker ringgit. We have to understand this. Uh, every time politicians or whoever economist that comes on stage and says, oh, it will benefit the exporting companies if we are an exporting nation. Put a full stop to that. Think about the imports that we carry. Capital, capital costs, your capex. We are a net importer of machineries. We are a net importer of food. Right. We are also a net importer of foreign talent, FYI, your workers, labor. Right. We, I don't think uh, the balance of payments is that strong on the export comparatively to whatever imports that we are carrying at the moment. So definitely feeling the pinch. Right. Your rice, your staple rice, we have to import from Thailand. Malaysia don't have sufficient rice. Your vegetables are all important. Imagine, remember last time we didn't have enough cabbages, so there's no coleslaw at KFC, right? Even potatoes for French fries at McDonald's. We are a net importer. We are no longer an exporter. We can't even sustain our own food source. So Malaysia, wake up. Come on, strengthen the ringgit, please. It's not doing us any justice. We are equivalent of a foreign worker, if we go into any countries, uh, like for example, even if you go to Dubai, or even if we go to Singapore, we are as cheap as a foreign worker that's here in Malaysia. You know, That's how bad we are at the moment. Bing, thank you for that. Um, I actually just wanted to quickly follow up with Dennis, who is speaking along similar lines, saying uh, Malaysia can experiment with de-dollarization and our value can perhaps go up. Why is our ringgit so much weaker than a country that is so deep in debt as to raise its borrowing limits? Well, this is a question for economists, isn't it? I mean, um, yeah. 
Well, the U.S. is exceptional because it can print its own money, right? It, yeah. I mean, th- th- that's the thing that's... It's know, also a global player, major global player. The printing its own money, though, is a is a common, I mean, factoid, but also criticism, right, when it comes to talking about the value of the dollar and how and how we think about it and how we get valued in relation to it. I mean, it used to be that there was a gold standard and then they gave that up in the 70s, <laughs> yes. right? So uh, you'd go back in, deep into history. But I, you know what I think is quite interesting about um, both these comments, both being uh, the, the most recent comment is that they, there's this idea that somehow we have power to mm. determine where the ringgit goes. And what Rafizi is suggesting, what Shaoning is suggesting, in fact, it, it's so such a complex matter, the, de- the determinants that go into the, the, um, the value of the ringgit is so complex that we're not, not national governments are not in control. Well, I mean, that was a very uh, kind of intelligent point to make. Uh, I would like to follow that up with Yvonne. Also making an intelligent point, but uh, a short one. The Shringit. It's happening, which I like. That's that, the name of the podcast. I imagine this in the format of a disaster film with a giant US dollar trampling our cityscape. The Shringit. The Shringit. Here. Yes. Thank you, Yvonne, for that visual. I love it. Honey, I shrunk the, 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 the Ringgit. <laughs> you, know, you know, the first time I heard this was in uh, somebody, a Malaysian, uh, a couple that I know living in Singapore. And, you know, the person jokingly called it the Shringit. And it's very painful because I have a longstanding relationship to Singapore as a country. I grew up there. My mother lives there. And uh, because I contribute to her care, you know, it's it, it, the burden has become not substantial i mean i don't i don't want to exaggerate but what what but the flip side is there are a lot of malaysians who work in singapore who maybe can now dream differently about retiring in malaysia they their money can now go to purchasing properties in malaysia maybe for them this is not such a grim story so to follow on from actually these sorts of day-to-day challenges that the the Shringit presents. Um, Mizi, for instance, is saying, my dream to travel overseas is definitely on hold. My age to retire would have to be pushed back even further and there'd be more cutbacks in expenses, less eating out, no more food delivery on tired weekends, smaller angpaos and cheaper gifts for all types of celebrations. Take a, take a cheaper telco subscription. All economies are connected and we import a lot, so we are affected. Mizi, I think that one of the things that strikes me about your message is the the variation in your plans. So dream to travel overseas, that can be a short or medium term thing, uh, age to retire, long term, um, but then everything else is so immediate. And I think that that reflects on how, in some ways, how we can accommodate planning for something when we're not sure what's going to to happen. And I know that this is true for life in general, um, but I, I find it difficult not being a member of the morning run myself, uh, sometimes to fully comprehend what what it means when what it means when we see these sorts of fluctuations. In other words, how we should think about it. You know, how far do we cut back? What do I not allow myself to do? How much um, how much worrying do I need to do about the situation right now? Yeah, it is challenging, isn't it? Because now I find myself measuring every um, holiday, which I admit is a privilege and increasingly feeling like a luxury by comparing it to how much I have in my savings and what what I can square off without feeling like I'm being reckless. And I think more and more, this will be something that people, especially middle class people, uh, will have to think about. 
You know, I actually go to the Pasatani in my neighborhood uh, Thursday mornings. I didn't do it this morning because I woke up late. But I must say, you know, a lot of the stuff that we did actually comes from here. So I know there was this comment that, you know, all our vegetables are imported. I don't think all our vegetables are imported. I do actually ask the vendors where the vegetables I'm buying from them come. Um, I got a load of really high quality, good uh, seafood. Uh, comes from Kuala Selangor. And, you know, I bought a kilo of lovely you know, prawns, they didn't cost me that much. So there are smart moves that you can make. If you don't go to a supermarket, you go to the local Pasatani, you can get great deals. A couple of people um, looking at this as an opportunity, I want to say. Let's start with a voice note from Gaddy. Hi, I think typically we pay attention closer to the dollar, uh, mainly because of crypto prices. As it goes up, as it goes down, uh, you know, trading ringgit for dollar and dollar for Bitcoin or Ethereum, uh, that kind of makes uh, a huge difference. Is that a strategy, Giddy? Is that what you're suggesting we do? I think it sounds like, as I said, I have seen people talk about this as an opportunity to watch currency and that if you're in the crypto business or the crypto trading business, I suppose, um, that this could be viewed as the time to make mm. some moves. And I guess it's because we asked whether people actually look out for the price of the ringgit, right? So I think Gadi might be explaining how uh, or why uh, they, they continue to do so. I mean, we also have uh, a point that was being raised earlier in that same vein from KW who says, yeah, let it drop. Most of my investments are in USD, so it's good for me. My advice, keep some. You won't know how long, how low it can go. Uh, I am glad that I kept the balance. So yes, I think there are people for whom this is, this is the time to move, right? Um, because the dollar is so high. Yes. I mean, how many of us are in those positions yes. either have come back from a holiday where we have, you know, spare USD? And I don't know how long. You, I mean, how spare much? Spare USD at what value? Yes. That well, you, yeah. Indeed, right? That. And so when you have this difference, what whatever the difference has been, uh, I don't know if this is something that we can generalize. What we, uh, I think what it does signal is that there are people who are well equipped to take advantage of this because of where their money is and how their assets are, right? I do worry about it because, well, I think, well, I have a home that's the, the value of the ringgit doesn't impact my home as such, right? But you do think of other issues regard, with regard to the value of ringgit, what, in, what it can purchase when you are retired, for instance. Well, uh, the, there are also people weighing in about whether something like the ringgit depreciate, depreciating ends up being a push to do something different. So Ming Lok, for example, says the weak ringgit is a strong reason many work overseas or migrate. Add to that, uh, people don't feel wanted here because we're quote-unquote annoying. At best, we're just tolerated. I think that that has to do with, uh, you know, racial sentiment or perceived racial sentiment. But that thing about it's a strong reason why people work overseas. That's something I've heard before, that, that they would rather earn in a, in a currency that they feel has more reach. Well, then the question is, is this a temporary plan or is yeah, this actively exactly. pushing people away? Then talking about the brain drain and so on, right? 
Yeah, but the shrinking rate is not a plan by anybody. It's just it's just the consequence of a you know a whole lot of factors, right? So, but y- but to your point, which you brought up earlier, Sharad, the fact that this isn't by any means new, um, it is something we've progressively been seeing for a good twenty years now. It's true, but okay, let's say you decide for whatever reasons, including your your feelings about being a second class citizen, for instance, and you say I'm going to go to Britain, okay, um, uh, and then and you live in Britain, and today Brits are suffering because their, their pound is much weaker and uh, the cost of, of many um, uh, basic things, including heating during winter, has gone up. So it's not like it's, you know, all green and, you know, milk and honey flowing in the rivers of Britain. You know, the, the, you can't, so I, I don't understand. Ocas, we can think of, the, of other countries as opportunities, but they have their own struggles. And it's not like when we move away from Malaysia's problems, we suddenly, uh, you know, catapulted into Paris. So, keep your thoughts coming. We are talking about the ringgit falling against the US dollar and what that means. So, let us know, is the falling ringgit affecting you directly? Have your plans changed because of it? Is this something you keep tabs on? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Benchmark for Managers, BFM 89.9. It is 7.08. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. And we've been asking you whether the falling ringgit is affecting you directly. Have your plans changed because of it? Are you the kind of person who keeps an eye on this, the rise and fall of our currency? Send your thoughts through. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We have more messages on this. So we have people weighing in on specifics. Nini, for example, says, I'm affected by the increase of price for my supplements and vitamins from the States. Uh, Meanwhile, Steve says, I'm just anxiously hoping that the weaker ringgit doesn't translate to higher prices for Apple products because I'm looking to upgrade my old iPhone. Adrian says, two kilo Milo price hikes from 30 to 38 ringgit lately. No more Milo cow. We also have Mr. G, but we'll come back to that. Let's talk about Milo, supplements and iPhone. Actually, I kind of like the, the the spread of those products because they really do indicate how how many different ways and how many different things something like uh, our falling currency can impact. Yeah, there's also stuff like you know streaming services. We'd asked uh, mm. Shaoning earlier about that. I mean, I. I'd, I pay for Netflix. I mean, is the price price of Netflix going to go up? Well, I mean, and, they and, and, are priced for local markets. To be fair, however. I think it's. I think the fact that our currency is worth less will mean that eventually there will be a need to assess how they price for this region. So, Mr. G says, you don't need to go far to feel the pinch. Just look at groceries and food, especially if the food isn't locally available or it's imported. You can already see the inflating prices on shelves. Take, for example, oats, which we don't grow here. The strength of our ringgit is important. You don't need to travel overseas to feel how hopeless the ringgit feels. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I noticed when, you know, doing some research about food security is that the kind of fish that we eat and how imported salmon at some point kind of really shot up in terms of just the, the sheer amount of salmon that we were importing in this country. And because I do buy and eat salmon and I, it may, it's made me think about this, you know, it's like, why don't I do more local fish? Uh, and, you know, what kind of fish would be actually 
just as good, maybe even better for for the price that I'm getting it and, and just for what it is, right, in terms of taste and such. Well, uh, Drew says, now is the time to go local more than imported goods. We should be ready to start producing more in place of imported goods. And uh, I wanted to get to that partly because, Steve, to your point, um, I've decided that I... So I think that there are opportunities with a little bit of imagination, um, i.e. buying local fish and, and trying to experiment and decide, okay, like I, I've become accustomed to this notion that this fish is what gets me this flavor or gets me the nutritional value that I'm looking for, often the reasons why people eat salmon. Um, I, I When it comes to things like smartphones, I'm just going to generalize. So Steve was quite specific, but if I just generalize, I bought my last smartphone secondhand um, and it was pretty new. It's working just fine. And I was not affected by the weakening currency um, because it's just me and someone else like, <laughs> exchanging funds. And, um, and, and I've been thinking a lot about the different ways in which you can try to buy more local or in which you can try to access the things that you, you want or that you're accustomed to having, but in a local way. And I think that with some imagination, you can do that. In other instances, though, I think that can prove tough. Like, I don't think that this is a universal formula that works for everything. You know, what? what's very instructive when you go to a country that's much poorer than Malaysia is how resilient people are and how they kind of put things together. Uh, I used to visit um, uh, Myanmar in the early noughties, uh, you know, and it, it's just an extraordinary city because people are, are so, uh, I mean, apart from being warm and everything, they, they just make things work, right? But coming back to your point earlier, Lynn, about the Malaysian dream, right? This ethos of making do, you know, and finding solutions and all that seems to go against that ethos, right? Because we have lived with plenty. If you remember the, I don't know if you remember, there's a heady 90s in, in Kuala Lumpur. We were so confident of ourselves and where the country mm. was going. And, you know, I would go to uh, press events with the vats of wasabi, you know, literally bowls of wasabi. On the, because w pl plenitude, right? it, was, it was a city that where waste was not thought about. Nobody blinked about it. I was going to say, who on earth needed vats of wasabi? <laughs> I was going to say, what a, sign yeah. of, bowls, what bowls. a sign of wealth and decadence, wasabi. Yeah. So this is it, right? So there was a self-image that we uh, that we had that and our place in the world. It's going to be rocked by this, right? And the solution is... Yeah, maybe reimagining ourselves. Well, Stephen's actually making uh, a similar point, Sharad. So Stephen says, The ringgit weakening impacts a higher cost of living as Malaysia is a net food importer, for instance, rice and vegetables. Ringgit weakening is also a reflection of investors exiting the economy. The fight against corruption and the work to rebuild the economy through peace and stability for a Malaysian Malaysia. After all, we've had more than 60 years of independence. Where has the wealth and reserves gone to? It's time for all Malaysians to stand up and do the right thing to make Malaysia Asia better again, we need the foreign direct investment. So again, that point about saying we need to do something. However, I'm actually not sure what there is to do um, on a or, or what, whether the responsibility lies solely just on a national level, on a leader level. Um, who are we making this call to? Can I can I jump in very quickly, just because I think what Stephen does when you talk about uh, food security, because that you signal that in the recent case where farmers in this plot of land in Pera producing sixty tons of fresh vegetables a day, 
who are fighting the Perak state government to keep that land because they were going to be evicted. Why? Because somebody had this idea for housing and a high-tech hub, okay? They have been evicted. The farms have been destroyed. 60 tons of vegetables a day. This is what this piece of land was producing. Why? Because of another housing project for another pipe dream of a high-tech park. This is, this is where corruption in Malaysia, a lack of accountability, we keep shooting our, uh, ourselves in the foot. I don't, this really gets my goat. When you hear stories of this, that we destroy our capacity to make lives easier for ourselves because some vested interests want something that eventually is a quick turnaround for them, they're going to make the money and the rest of us suffer. And I guess that that answers your question a little yeah. bit, right, Sharmila? Because the because initially looking at it, I agree with you, I, I wasn't exactly sure what we uh, could be doing. But that's maybe when we think about it in terms of, to be fair, what Stephen is saying is um, we need to make the country more appealing for FDI. Um, mm. But you can also contrast that to what you're saying, Sharad, which is that we need to make the country better to ensure that we're actually prioritizing things like our food security. So perhaps the the moral of the lesson here is that there are ways in which we can think about taking control of our own destinies that doesn't have to be so completely tied to whether we feel that our currency is not great. Yes, and, and I think that to me, makes absolute sense because there are forces larger than our economic policy at play. But then why are we so constantly shooting ourselves in the foot when there are things that we could be doing, um, at least on a lower level, to to work towards this? Um, Anyway, we will continue the conversation after this. Keep your thoughts coming. Is the falling ringgit affecting you directly? Have your plans changed because of it? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Big front man, BFM eighty nine point nine. It is 7.21. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. We're talking about the shrinking Malaysian ringgit or the shrinkit as a listener helpfully termed it. Um, and we've been asking you, um, is this affecting you directly? Have your plans changed because of it? Send your thoughts through. You can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. We do have a caller on the line. Good evening, Lee. What are your thoughts? Ah, good evening to you. May I know I'm speaking to Lynn or Sharmila? Uh, this is Sharmila, but Lynn's here as well okay, as Sharmila. Okay, good. Uh, good evening to all three of you. Okay, I'm Lee. Uh, I just want to give uh, my... Wait, answer your question. You were saying whether the... What you call that, the subject of the today's topic, yeah? Whether you accept me or not, okay? As mm-hmm. individual. Uh, of course, the answer is yes, okay? Uh, in a good way as well and bad way, positive as well and negative, okay? <laughs> Uh, I'm a retiree, okay, so I have very limited resources. As I think, as, just now, I think I already listened to I think many people where they say the cost of living increase is true. So, for my side, I try to you know, buy whatever there's uh, whatever goods that's priced cheaper, where it's not that badly affected by the you know, by our falling currency. Uh, okay, for example, okay, uh, I used to buy, say, maybe imported fish or whatever, you know, imported jam. So now I try to buy more foreign fish. Like, I mean, our local fish like kambong, 
sell out all these cheaper piece, okay, and the local locally made product, okay. Uh, then another thing is uh, okay the positive part. Okay, this one I like the best because uh, <laughs> I have what should I say? Okay, during my younger years, I work overseas. I mean, in a neighboring country, so I have some savings in the country. All these years, I think more than 30 years, <laughs> I have kept my money there. I didn't, there's no reason for me to bring back the money. No, I see no necessity. So more than 30 years. So I think now is a very good time. There's an incentive for me to bring back my savings. That's all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you for calling, Lee. Um, actually, some, some, I love the pros and cons approach. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I worked for a very short time in Singapore. Uh, it's not much money, but I, I kept it there because, you know, the way Malaysian, West Malaysians can't take their um, CPF money out, right? So, yeah. Well, I think also, uh, Lee, I'm so glad you called because you get at the very heart of the thing that we've been saying, which is how to make adjustments because um, that's really a direction that our conversation has, has taken and this notion of how we can adjust just even the the big and small things um, in terms of what we spend to accommodate more local more local goods. Um, I actually have a question before we get to the other the other com- uh, the other comments. In an ideal world, would you both like to be able to purchase everything you need made locally? How, how important is like like in your daily you know daily use or hobbies or whatever? How important is the international stuff? Um, that's a good question, actually. Um, I think ideally I would be able to function on most things, probably not for the entertainment and leisure, right? If we think about even the fact that a lot of the books we buy are imported, um, entertainment. But then you might buy it from local sellers. Then you might buy local sellers, but they mm. still get international publications through an international shipping system. Unless you always do secondhand. Yeah. So it's these sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm... I, I like my creature comforts that include um, imported food, right? Yeah. Um, I am experimenting but, but with local stuff, but um, it, it would be hard. But I, I think when you, if, the, if this ringgit uh, uh, depreciates more dramatically, I think that's when we're going to have to make really hard choices. And I think at that point, necessity will overtake, you know, all other considerations. Mm, Because I think at the moment for me with something like food, uh, the ratio I try to skew very high towards locally made, uh, locally produced, doesn't always work. There are some things that you just need um, that we don't make and therefore you you go to imports. Uh, My hobby is an expensive one. I've talked about this before I sew. And and because of that, uh, with fabric, for example, I've started to buy exclusively local and that actually made a huge difference and made me think a lot about um, carbon footprint of the things I purchase and you know so so that's where this question is coming from because for me ideally I would like to hit something like 80-90% locally made I think that would be a sweet spot for me if I could manage it but you know what this also does right Um, when you think about things like clothes what it does is drive people towards exactly the thing we're talking about moving away from Um, for instance online cheap fashion retailers that may not really be the most ethical or the best for the environment, but simply because they are so cheap. um, And with the weakening ringgit, often you really don't have a choice. Um, I did want to read this from Madi because I find this uh, really interesting. So Madi says, it's how you look at it based on the past. I paid for my daughter's education in the UK when the exchange rate was seven ringgit uh, equivalent to one pound. 
Yeah, it, it, Mari, you know, there's also a whole generation of Malaysians when I think the uh, it was eight ringgit to the pound or something uh, uh, like that, that scale. But... Um, but they were ma- they manage it. So the, it always shocks me that civil, simple civil servants, uh, middle class people, lower middle class people were able to send their children for foreign education, even not just with the exchange rate, right? But with their what is that's changed. So that something has happened to the way Malaysians earn or to our economy that. So you might be able to send some kid off, but the debt that you were to get yourself into for that has become extraordinary. I think it has to do with uh, expenditure. And I don't mean that people are spending more. I think that the the cost of living, (laughs) the literal cost of just living the life that your parents would have led is more. And therefore, while you are still putting aside money uh, for your for your children's education, while you may be earning more, between inflation and just costs going up, the cost of putting food on the table has gone up. And so I think that, that may be part and parcel of it. Um, I think about this a lot, about how my parents probably by around my age, maybe five to ten years more, um, had enough savings that eventually meant they could put their children through college, uh, private education. There is no way I think I would be able to do that um, now. Um, and and that presents a significant. And what's different? I don't think that I don't think they were earning what they were certainly earning less back then. If we look at dollar for dollar, but then, like Lynn says, I think they were spending a lot less on the cost of living as well. Yeah, it's quite extraordinary. I mean, this comparative perspective, you know, Madi, that you bring into the conversation is important. I mean, just my the mention of what the ringgit was to the US dollar in the mid-90s made Shamila tear up, Madi. <laughs> I mean, I, at first I think she went into shock. Uh, and, then, and then and then she started to tear. So, um, yeah, you know, to think back that the ringgit was 2.5 something uh, in the mid-90s, where are we now? Well, on that rather sombre note, we do need to wrap up, but keep your thoughts coming. Is the falling ringgit affecting you directly? You can WhatsApp us, you can send us a voice note, or you can tweet us at BFM Radio. And keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.